Hey there, teachers. Since you're a regular podcast listener, and I know you're committed to improving your literacy instruction, I want to make sure you know about our free private podcast, the Confident Writer System Series. This private podcast was the result of so many teachers asking me questions about how to teach writing. I'd get questions like, my schedule is already so crammed. How do you find enough time to teach writing? Or my students struggle to write complete sentences and paragraphs, yet I'm expected to get them to write a five-paragraph essay by the end of the year. Help! (laughs) So I decided to put together a five-episode private podcast series that will teach you how to teach writing in upper elementary. In this short series, you'll learn the five mistakes to avoid when teaching writing in upper elementary, simple routines that will take your students from confused to confident, and manageable ways to teach writing every day without feeling rushed. You're going to get access to a podcast workbook that is filled with freebies and writing resources. So if that sounds like something that you want, then head to stellarteacher.com slash writing podcast. That's all one word, stellarteacher.com slash writing podcast and sign up for this free private podcast. These episodes are only available inside the private podcast and trust me, you're not going to want to miss them. You're listening to episode number 165 of the Stellar Teacher Podcast. Hey there, and happy Monday. Welcome back to another episode of the Stellar Teacher Podcast. I am truly excited that you are tuning in because today I have one of my favorite children's authors, Mike Bender. He is back on the podcast to talk all about his new picture book. Now, if you have been a longtime listener, then you might remember that Mike joined us last October to share his incredible picture book, The end is just the beginning. It is such a great story, and it really helps kids and adults shift their perspective around many of life's transitions that we often view as endings. Well, Mike has a new book out, and it's not quite as serious as his last book. In fact, it's pretty much the opposite of serious. It fully embraces and promotes silliness. So if you are in need of a lighthearted and fun conversation that is going to remind you and ultimately your students not to take life too seriously, then you are in for a real treat today. This entire conversation put a smile on my face, and I really hope it does the same for you. So let's jump into my interview with New York Times bestselling author, Mike Bender. Teaching literacy is tough. But with the right tools, you can be not only good, but great. Amazing. I'm talking off the charts impactful. Hey, I'm Sarah Marie, a literacy specialist with over a decade of experience working as a classroom teacher and school administrator. Tune in each week to this podcast to hear no fluff lesson ideas and strategies that will help you feel confident in your abilities to truly grow your students as readers. Are you ready? Let's dig in. Hi, Mike. Welcome back to the show. I am so excited to have you on the podcast today. Thank you so much. It's great to be back. So you were on about a year ago because you have a really incredible book, The End is Just the Beginning. And I personally love that book. I have shared that book with so many of my family and teacher friends, and you're just an incredible author. And I know that you have a brand new book that just came out. So 
congratulations on publishing another amazing children's book. <laughs> now, your new book is a little bit different. I feel like the end is just the beginning. It was very serious. Yes. Such a great message. But this new book, which is titled The Most Serious Fart, was released on October 3rd. So can you give my listeners a little summary of what this book is about? Well, I think you were right to point out it's quite different from my last book, which was, you know, very sincere and, and serious. And I think uh, maybe it's a reflection of where I am in my own life. You know, I, when I wrote that book, I was dealing with the Lyme disease and trying to work through work through that. And now the good news is I'm in a sillier place. So I was able to kind of approach this from a different point of view. But the book is called The Most Serious Fart. The book is about a fart who takes himself too seriously and is determined to sort of change everything about what a fart is. And I have to say, like, I never intended or thought I was going to write a book about farts. I want to make that very clear. I did not. It wasn't really where I started with this. I had read an article almost a year ago, or maybe a little more than a year ago, in the New York Times about an assistant principal. His name is Toby Price. And he read over Zoom a book called I Need a New Butt, which many people might be familiar with. It's actually a very cute, also very silly book, but I enjoyed it. And I, I, he had read the book to a group of kids over Zoom at that time, and he was fired from his job. Toby is a pretty incredible guy, has an autistic child, just a very sweet guy. And so, you know, the, he got no complaints from the kids or from the parents, but they fired him. And so a lot of people might know the story. It got reported on quite a bit, but I got really upset. And I was upset because I felt like we were just coming out of COVID and the world is so damn serious. For, from a kid's perspective, they're doing drills at school for shooters. There's viruses that are going around that could kill your grandparents. This is intense. And so I feel like if there's any time that we need to rally behind silliness, it is now. And so I, I, I had put something up on my Instagram at that time. And I don't know why I said what I said, but it just is what flowed at the time, which is I'm going to write a book. I'm going to write a book that's very silly. It was kind of like, I'm going to counter this by writing a book that's very silly. And so I think farts came to mind because farts are something that people often say like, oh, that's, that's, that's very silly humor. And so I thought, let's start there. But can I write something that's thoughtful, that's still about a fart and something that's somewhat sophisticated, but it's a, it's a story about a fart. So that was the jumping off point. I always kind of have a challenge to myself to start. And that was the challenge on this one. I love that you're like, I'm I'm not intending to write a book about a fart, yet that's where this went. And <laughs> I mean, to be honest, I never thought that I would have a podcast episode where I would have to even like use the vocabulary term fart. But I I love how I, you know, I I love just your writing style and what you write about. And I really love how you think about very real life situations that people and kids have to deal with. And then you turn those into books that are accessible to students. I mean, I know on the last podcast episode, you share about your struggle with Lyme and how that really was the inspiration for the end is just the beginning and talk yeah. about how, you know, transitions and how we can handle those transitions in life. And so I love that you're just like, you know, taking a real life situation. I remember when the Toby Price thing came out and I, you know, remember feeling so bothered about that situation as well, because I just feel like 
teachers and school administrators are losing so much of their their freedom and their yeah. autonomy to do things that are in kids' best interest. And so I love that you were inspired by something that really was an unfortunate situation. And as a result, you came up with this really amazing children's book. I have shared your book. Uh, Mike sent me a copy of the book ahead of time, and I've shared it with a couple of my nieces and nephews. And you know, you can imagine a book that has the main character of a fart would be very appealing to five and six year old boys. And let me guarantee, or let me assure you, it is definitely, it is definitely a hit. Now, when you sent me a copy of the book, you also included a really thoughtful note, which I really appreciate it. And in your note, you said, we live in the most serious world. And I wrote this book to teach kids about the importance of embracing their silly side. And I know you kind of touched on it a little bit, but you know, out of all the messages and themes, I feel like there's a lot of things that kids need to know and understand. So why focus on silliness instead of something like kindness or empathy or acceptance? Why is silliness like the number one message that you think kids need to receive right now? Because I think it's often overlooked. I, and, 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 and I don't want to in any way disparage kindness and acceptance and those other, those other themes because those are beautiful themes. And I think there's a lot of writers that do talk about those things. But I think silliness is one of those things where it's kind of a throwaway. It's like, oh, you're being silly. Mm-hmm. You know, we just think of that as like, it's, it just kind of means nothing at the end of the day. And I would argue that more and more we're understanding, even from a scientific point of view, and I, I'm fascinated by the science behind play and silliness, but that we really need this. We really need to be silly. Especially as adults, we forget, we lose that connection to being a child. There's a reason why children are silly. There's a reason why children laugh at farts. And then to think as an adult, you say, stop laughing, that's not funny. I think it's worth taking a pause at some of that stuff and thinking like, well, actually, it is kind of funny. You know, we all have parents that, at least my age, that are, that are starting to age and are farting all the time when you're with them. And I got to tell you, to laugh and have a laugh, it feels great versus like holding it in and just trying to pretend like something didn't happen. I mean, a fart is intentionally a very funny noise that comes out of our butts. And if you can't find the humor in that, then I think, you know, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta ask yourself some questions. So I, I, I do think that silliness is a real, is a virtue and, and there, there should be more value placed on just being silly, the act of silly and taking the time to be silly during the day. I think that is such a good reminder. And I, have been in education, not for a crazy long time, but long enough to, you know, remember when like pre-K was more about play and kids got to take naps in kindergarten and there was just much less expectation for our youngest students. And now I feel like every year we hear about these expectations of kids being expected to read by the end of kindergarten and we don't have time for naps and they don't have time for recess. And, you know, there's so much structure. And I I love that you're reminding us that silliness is something that we need to prioritize for our kids. I even think as for adults, though, you brought up a really great point. You know, I feel like in when I read about things about whether it's like self-care or, you know, like how to prioritize yourself, even for adults, they talk about the importance of play. It's not just, you know, sleep and nutrition and movement. It's about actually playing and laughing and experiencing those joyful things. Do you ever think about what the long-term impact would be 
sort of on both sides, like what happens if we continue to remove silliness from schools and we don't allow that virtue space to be cultivated in our students? Like what's going to happen if we don't prioritize silliness? And then sort of on the flip side, what do you envision happening if schools and families could incorporate more silliness just in the day-to-day? Well, to answer your first question, I, I think it's a little bit like restricting kids from running and moving around. Like kids naturally need to move around. So the idea of asking kids to be still all day is a mistake. In the same way, it's a mistake if you have a dog to be like, well, just sit by me all day and sit by my side. I'm working, right? That dog is going to get, is going to get really hyper and mischievous and start grabbing things. So like, I think that it's in the nature of a child to need to move and play and be silly. So we're denying them something that's like really inherent to being a child. That shows you, I think, how important it is to be silly for a kid. And this, and remind me, your se- the second point was, what happens if we like? What do you envision happening as like a, the positive if we do allow more silliness into our day to day lives? Well, I think you're going to have kids that number one are less stressed out. You're going to have kids that have less anxiety. I mean, silliness is an amazing way to deal with anxiety. I as someone who has dealt with anxiety, which is which which is one of the beautiful byproducts of things like Lyme disease and some of those other conditions, like I've done laughter yoga. I have uh, danced in the morning. These are not things that I naturally gravitated towards doing before that. But man, you take somebody and have them dance for five minutes and and tell me that you don't feel different after you've done that. Again, it's like we, we think of those things as, well, I don't know if I have time for that. I'm really busy. But those are the things we should be prioritizing. I love that. And I think like just the reminder of like, you know, we often say, I don't have time for that. Like I'm so busy. I think the same is true like in schools, oftentimes teachers, and it is no fault of the teachers, like teachers often don't feel like they have time yeah. to enjoy a story just for the sake of a story or to, like you said, like put some music on and let your students dance and just experience the joyfulness of being silly. And I I know that so many teachers in my audience would really like to ease up on some of the like pressure and the structure and the expectations that they have in their classroom. And I know that they are faced with pressure from their school administrators and their district officials, you know, whether they're pushing state testing expectations or really rigorous expectations, or I know, you know, unfortunately in a lot of states, there are now book limitations on, you know, teachers can no longer decide the books that they want to read. So, you know, what advice would you give to teachers who want to be more silly? Because I know if teachers had freedom, they would want to have more silly (laughs) moments. But what do you wish that school administrators and district officials knew when it came to the importance of silliness? Like if we're going to sort of make a movement here, what do the leaders of our educational system really need to understand? Well, I think kids do better. on. I think this has been proven you know, when they've introduced like things like mindfulness and meditation into schools. And even in my public school, there's, they are being more open to things like mindfulness and meditation. And, and there are some beautiful studies around that and seeing like kids test scores go up, their attention spans are better. I think the same thing with silliness. To me, silliness is mindful. Mm -hmm. Because when you're being silly, you're just being silly. You know, there's there's nothing else that's going on other than you're laughing or you're being silly or you're playing or you're whatever it might be. I think about like kids when they skip. I, I feel like skipping is such a beautiful metaphor because as adults, we stop skipping at a certain point because we feel like it looks silly, mm-hmm. right? There's that yep. word again. <laughs> but again, try to skip and not feel 
feel like try to be in a bad mood and skip. Yeah. Try to yeah. have an argument with your partner or spouse while you're skipping. You can't do it. It's not yeah. possible. That's, <laughs> that, those are the, that, that's our, that's the state. That's our natural state. That's our resting state is joy. And so I think if I were to say anything to school administrators, I'd say that all the things you want to accomplish will only be, it will only be benefited by allowing some time for kids to just be silly. Nothing else. I love that. And I think time for teachers too, to just be silly. You know, as adults, we need to have more time in our day with that freedom to just, like you said, whether it's skip or dance or listen to music. I always think too, you know, it's just like, it's like if you're in a bad mood, it's, people say just like, go look at yourself in the mirror and smile because it, once you start smiling, it's hard to stop smiling or and it's hard to be in a bad mood. And so it's just like, sometimes we have to force ourselves or create these opportunities that naturally will make us more joyful human beings. hundred percent. And, and also, I just want to say that Toby, right, where this all began, Toby's the one who chose, he chose to read that book because that book, he was reading at a time when there were so many intense yeah. things going on and he wanted to read something silly to the kids. He yeah. wanted to give the kids something to just laugh about. And I thought that was so admirable. To me, Toby is is heroic and he lost his job as a result and it was very difficult for him. Fortunately, he did a GoFundMe that got, you know, people really jumped in and tried to help him. But I did reach out to him when I had a finished copy. I wanted to let him know that he had inspired me to write the book. I wanted him to know that that a lot of good has probably come from what he did while while it sucked how he was treated. And since then, we've been we've been kind of buddies and talking, and it's just great to get to know him and hear his side. But I think he was the one, at least for me, that really made me think about the importance of silliness. It's so unfortunate what happened, and I I wish that we had more teachers who were like Toby. Really, ultimately, I wish we had more administrators and more district officials who were like, you know what? Because like you mentioned in the beginning of the episode, school, I think, can feel so heavy for kids. You know, there's so much pressure. There's so many serious things that are happening in the world. And as much as we try to shelter students from that and protect them from those big, heavy things, like kids know about stuff. You know, the fact that kids know about school shootings and they understand that COVID was a, you know, a really like tragic virus that happened to so many people. Like kids are, I don't know, that that added pressure and stress needs to be dealt with. And I think one of the best ways to deal with that is through silliness. So hopefully more teachers feel inspired to be like Toby and just intentionally incorporate silliness. I am going to consider you, though, my silliness expert, since you seem to know a lot <laughs> about it. Now, even though your book is really silly, it does have a lot of sophisticated vocabulary. As I was reading it, you know, I, I mentioned earlier, I have shared it with my five and six-year-old nephews. But I can envision this being such a great story to read in third and fourth and fifth grade classrooms because the vocabulary is so great. You know, you include some pretty big words like disarray, squabbled, cacophony. So as you're writing a book that is pretty silly and on a silly topic about farts, you know, is it challenging to write this really silly story while at the same time also incorporate some very high level vocabulary words? Like how does that sort of combination work? I think that's the fun of it for me, again, is like the challenge of writing about something that is traditionally very sophomoric in nature, but then to give it a level of sophistication. So that was a very conscious decision to use, you know, vocabulary words that might be a little more challenging for the younger readers, but also that might make them want to go figure out oh, what what is that word? That's just, Because words also, even when you don't understand a word, I mean, there are words even 
at this age, I hear that I might not even know what it means, but I go, that's a really interesting sounding word. I like that word. Yeah. Or it might even be in another language, I hear the word. So, you know, squabble, for example, that gives you a certain feeling without even knowing what that word is. So I, 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 I think as a writer, you have to love words, right? Just to be doing what you're doing. And, and so for me, I love the sound of words. I love just the act of kind of organizing words within a within a, a page or a sentence or a paragraph. And so I just wanted to infuse the story with as much sophistication as possible, whether it was just words or even, you know, Beethoven. This fart loves Beethoven. He's obsessed <laughs> with Beethoven and he carries a briefcase and he reads financial, the newspapers. He's a very sophisticated fart. And so... <laughs> Again, like that, I think that juxtaposition of something like a fart with something sophisticated is just, that's fun. And it's also like kind of unexpected. Yeah, I love that. In your writing, I noticed, and again, I, I love words. I love stories. I love just sort of really getting to understand the author's brain and like why they made certain decisions in the writing process. So in this specific book, you also chose to write it in a very lyrical way with a really strong rhyme scheme, which I think can be so great because it really presents so many teachable moments for teachers beyond just the comprehension of the story. I always think something that has a very lyrical, you know, tone to it would be great for National Poetry Month or anytime teachers are jumping into those standards. Was there any specific intention behind including the rhyme scheme or did it just sort of happen like that? Like, how did this sort of like structure of the story come about? I'll be very honest with you, Sarah. I was extremely intimidated about the rhyme part because I had never written anything in rhyme. And I know when I've read books that do well, it's really quite hard to do that. And so I, I, I kind of had to study a lot of books. And, I, and I, I initially wrote the story in a way that it was not in rhyme. I just wrote it out. But then I felt when I started to rhyme, I think when you have funny words, like I, I'm not looking at the, the book right now, but flatulence or something like that. When it's when it's being rhymed, it it almost hits the punchline harder. Yeah. There's something funnier when you're using funny words. Rhyme can be a real advocate. It can be a real helper in that way. And so I think that was for me was kind of like I remember speaking with my my literary agent Janine, who's also like like also an editor at times. You know, she, we we went back and forth on that. She was just like ultimately like for the humor aspect of this, the rhyme is going to serve you better than than if you just you know if you did it without it. So that was it. But I was I was very intimidated, and I actually had someone, a poet, who read the the manuscript early on and was giving me notes, and it was making my head spin when they were talking about just. <laughs> I think like anyone who really, really, really knows rhyme. Like I did, I, I broke some rules and I apologize for that for all those people out there. But at the end of the day, I was like, well, I have to make sure that this also is funny for kids. And so they'll forgive me a little bit, you know, in some, in some aspects, but yeah, that's, that's kind of how I arrived there. Well, I love it. And I think you actually did a really great job of the rhyme scheme in it. And I, I always love from a teacher standpoint, I loved reading poems or stories that had a rhyme scheme that didn't 100% follow the traditional rhyme rules where it's like, you know, you read a word and it's like, if you were going to read the word on its own, you would read it differently than if it was in with the rhyme scheme. 
And I think it sort of just encourages students to be like, well, wait a minute, hold on a second here. Like, why is it going to be pronounced differently? Or I want to say it in a certain way. So I think anytime you do kind of bend the rules, it just sort of encourages students to be a little bit more mindful of what it is that they are reading. Thank you. Well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to reference you whenever I get flack. Yeah, me. absolutely. So, okay. One of the things that I think is really cool about your new book, The Most Serious Fart, is that it had the opportunity to be read by Ryan Reynolds on his new show, Bedtime Stories, which is on the Maximum Effort channel. Now, I am a huge Ryan Reynolds fan. I think everything he does is hilarious. How did you get connected with him? Like, how did you get him to read your book? And I would love to know, like, what was his reaction to, to the story? Well, I have a weird cosmic connection to Ryan Reynolds. I want to know what this cosmic connection is and how do I get one? I mean, <laughs> years ago, I was very young, but I, I, when I was first started out, I was a screenwriter. And one of my friends at the time was another screenwriter, this guy, Adam Tex Davis, and he was writing a movie called Just Friends. And my brother actually was a producer on that. And everyone was, everyone was young at this point, but including Ryan. And when they shot that movie, the characters in that script, I don't know if you know Just Friends. I don't think, I don't remember it. I feel like I've heard of it, but I've never seen it. Yeah. I'll have to go watch it now. Oh, it's a great movie. It's a great like Christmas movie. But the characters' names in that movie are Chris and Mike Brander. So my brother's name is Chris. So I've always, I've always thought someday I'm going to meet this guy and I'll be able to, I'll be able to tell him that. But I had no intention of getting it to Ryan Reynolds initially. I, I have to say, like, I have the most incredible literary agent in Janine Camus, who's just amazing. And, and I've been with her for many, many years. And she's just like, she just, she always brings me these little gifts. But she happened to be friends with the guy that was producing this show for Ryan. And he was looking for books. And what's what was interesting is the traditional publishers, they were having a lot of trouble getting books from the traditional publishers because they have weird rules yeah. around books being read. In yeah, fact, yeah. when I worked at Random House, one of the things that always frustrated with me was I wanted to get the books read online by readers, by teachers. And there's so yeah. many great readers now on YouTube and TikTok and Instagram, and they have a policy, they don't want the books to be read, like as if that is going to affect sales doesn't make any sense to me. But this time around, I'm working with a very non traditional publisher, a genius cat. And they're awesome. And there's so much more freedom. And they're like, yes, absolutely do it. And so Janine got the book over to the production crew over there. And they immediately were like, this is perfect for Ryan, because, you know, you know, his sense of humor. <laughs> yeah. got a great sense of humor. And so I think that was one of the first books that they that they actually locked in. And it was just a thrill. Like that's something I've always wanted is to have somebody like him read the book. And so it's still surreal, to be honest with you, to watch the video and think that he read it. That's awesome. Just such a cool, cool thing that happened along the way. Yeah, absolutely. So let's circle back here as we wrap up this interview. One of your goals with this book is for kids and adults to embrace the silliness. So what advice do you have for teachers and parents who do want to help students embrace silliness and not take themselves too seriously? Take the time to incorporate intentionally silly exercises or silly moments into the day. That might be standing up for 15 seconds and just shaking your body uncontrollably and just having like a big shakeout. That might be we're going to do uh, a 30-second dance at the beginning of every class. 
that might be we're going to on our way to the you know cafeteria we're going to try to step on every crack we see instead of trying to avoid every crack let's let's step on the cracks like anything and and i think that the beauty of silliness is that it can be short little moments yeah i think you know like that's the key is just having some time so that kids understand that as adults we value silliness we want you to be silly Silliness is not something that you get put in the corner for. Yeah. It should be something that we celebrate. So I, I think that's that's what I hope. I love that. And I think like all of those things you mentioned, I can just envision like if teachers do those things, those are the types of things that when a student goes home at the end of the day, they're going to tell their parents about, right? Yeah. Like not, I read this book or learned this thing. It's like, oh, on the way to lunch, my teacher told me to step on every crack. Like those are the types of things yes. that our students enjoy and helps them feel yeah, like school is School is so fun. I, I, got to, yeah. I got to do this today. Absolutely. Yeah, I love that. Well, Mike, thank you for writing such a silly book and for being an encourager of the importance of silliness. I, you know, we all need to have more fun and more joy in our life. And I feel like this book is such a great reminder of that. So thank you for writing it. Final question. You know, you were on the podcast a year ago with a book that came out. You're on the podcast now. So if you come back in a year from now, what book are you going to be, what, what book are you going to be promoting? Do you have anything that you're planning to write, working on? Do we get any, any preview of what might come in the future? I do. Something I, I realize I, I got to mention as, as I talk about the next book is that one of the key aspects to the most serious fart was connecting with my illustrator. And I didn't get to mention my illustrator, but I do want to quickly just mention that Chuck Dillon, who I have been a fan of for a long time, is a highlights. Like if you ever open highlights magazine yeah. and looked at the hidden pictures, Chuck is like the hidden pictures the guy. guy. And so... I have been a fan of his for a while. I've been obsessed with his hidden picture puzzles. And so he was the person, when I had the chance to reach out to an illustrator that I wanted, he was like my number one choice. And, and thankfully he did it. And so he brought so much detail into this book. You know, Sarah, you saw the book, like the level of detail in some of that is incredible. And that's, that's a testament to Chuck. And he also hid over 300 butts throughout the book within the pictures because he can't help hiding things yeah. in pictures. So I have to, I just have to give credit to Chuck. Like, yes, I wrote a book that was silly, but Chuck brought it to life. I mean, I was going to say that it's, it feels a little weird to say this, but the illustrations are beautiful. So it is just, you know, it's a book about a fart, but the pictures, seriously, they're, they're gorgeous. Like it is he painted yeah. every part. Those are hand painted. Every single fart is hand painted. So he also was very mindful about being like, we're not going to just like draw a typical like cloud yeah. we typically see in a fart picture. He really wanted to make it artistic. And so for me, I, I just, I have nothing but, but respect and love for Chuck. And so we had such a great experience. We're working together again. I had a project, I think I mentioned to you, Sarah, the last time we spoke called Board Panda at yes. Random House. Finally, we, we had been looking for an illustrator. And so after this, Chuck has come on board officially. And so Board Panda is is in the works. The illustrations are, are being done now. And so that would be the next book. And that one, just to remind you and, and anyone listening, is about boredom being a window into creativity and sort of looking at boredom as this kind of like wonderful way into discovery and creativity. 
Well, I cannot wait to have you on the podcast again to talk about that book and just the importance of allowing space for boredom because I'm sure that's important. (laughs) But in the meantime, where can my audience find you? And if they want to either connect with you or learn more about your new book, The Most Serious Fart, where can they find you? Yes. Well, I hope I hope everyone will share this silliness with the kids in their lives and with any any people they know and even with adults. I yes. always talk about children's books like give them to adults too. Yes. Children's books work for everyone. They can find me at I am Mike Bender on Instagram. That's the best place. I am Mike Bender and I post all kinds of silly stuff there so hopefully people can can follow me there. Awesome. We will post a link to your Instagram profile as well as a link to purchase the book in our show notes in case any of our listeners want to connect with you. But again, Mike, I always love connecting with you. I love the books you write. I love the messages that you want to share with teachers and students. So thank you for being just an advocate for education and literacy. And thank you for coming on the show again. It was fun to chat with you. Thanks so much for tuning in to the Stellar Teacher Podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode and are finding value in this podcast, it would mean the world to me if you would follow along and leave a five-star positive review. This helps me spread the word to more and more teachers just like you. And don't forget to join me over on Instagram at the Stellar Teacher Company. You can always find the links and resources from this episode in the show notes at stellarteacher.com. I'll see you back here next week.